0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This episode of Ren Inca is about cricket photography. So for this one, I got in one of the hundred greatest cricket snappers I know, Philip Brown, cricket photographer. We talk about Sure Broad's nose, Bob Hawke, a boy in Bangladesh, light backgrounds, remotes, following the ball, and enjoying a tour. You did a photo once for the film Death of a Gentleman, which is a like really famous uh, film that everyone still talks about all this time. I didn't realize that you did other cricket photos as well, but look at you, you've built quite a career, 320 photos. How many of those did you take on your iPhone? 320 pages of photos, (laughs) Oh,
1: and I think I counted up 346 photographs in The Colour of Cricket. So I very much enjoyed my assignment for Death of a Gentleman, and that didn't make the book. It's 346 pictures
0: plus that one. That was the 347th best picture that you've taken. This book has an opening by Shilbrod. Forward. Forward, yes. And it also has a photo of him getting his face smashed in of something that he said recently still gives him nightmares. How did you manage to pull off the combination of him writing the book that you're actually um, tormenting him with? Well, S- Stuart didn't actually say, I want to see every
1: picture that goes in the book before I write the forward. <laughs> it's quite easy-oozy when it comes to writing forward, so he didn't say that. I think it's all right with that. I felt worse the other day when I was talking to England captain Joe Root And I said, I'd love to give you a book, but I don't actually get like loads to give away, as you probably know. And then I said, oh, I'm really sorry. That day when you dropped your bat, like a mic drop thing that you did, I'm really sorry that that's in it. And he kind of went, yeah, that's fine. Don't worry about it. But I think that is his most embarrassing moment on a cricket field. So,
0: yeah, what was the question? We'll be doing this a lot. So cricket photography, I I want to talk to you about this. I remember... A couple of years ago, uh, you had to do some other sports photography and you were telling me how it didn't work in the same way as cricket photography. And obviously, there's quite a few famous cricket photographers of which you are, what, top 25, top 50, maybe? I just looked at the charts. I was 63, but up from 65 last week. So that's quite pleasing. So what is the difference? Is it just that you know exactly where the action is going to be in a way that in rugby or football or tennis, you might have to move around a bit more? You can literally, you've got the batter and the bowler and it's really only the fielders that are a bit more unpredictable? You've given the impression that we can go exactly where we want to go
1: angle-wise and that's sadly not the case. So there's a lot of different elements. I mean, COVID's affected things. There's an area called the PMOA area players management officials access Uh, anyway you can't go there we kind of most of the time if you turn up at a test match for example you know that you could go in this area or this area but you haven't got the option to get the exact angle you want very often but it's a case of just waiting for something that works hopefully capturing that exposing it right
0: and uh, bob's your uncle And for you, I know, having spent a lot of time chatting with you about this, a big part of your skill is the background, isn't it? You're trying to find a background that will work for each end, essentially, aren't you? That's true.
1: But I spoke about this the other day as well, looking for that, you know, a nice full crowd background, which you can get usually. But then, unpredictably, the action might happen somewhere else, you know, it might be a great catch out there or something, and you haven't controlled that background. so. It kind of swings and so You can be lucky with the background and stuff. But I think I'm just a bit weird in that it's really important to me that there's not much distracting in the photo. You know, for example, who was it? Who's that guy that uh, I photographed recently for the Trent Rockets? Is it? But Lewis Gregory kind of, he didn't drop a catch, but he kind of almost got to a catch. And the background wasn't distracting, but it wasn't a part of the ground that I was kind of working with. So I just like the fact that that's a player. The ball is really obvious in that and there's nothing to distract in the photo. So that's when I kind of am pleased with a photograph when it's just the the essential elements
0: and nothing to distract. I remember you and I recently were talking about the sort of the luck element as well. So there was a moment, I think, was it at Lords where Mark Wood injured his shoulder? And Gareth Copley, I think he's number sixty-one on the most famous. Hang on a minute, uh, can, Sebastian. List. Can you bring that chart? Show me that spreadsheet. <laughs> uh, he's number four. That must be all that Getty money that's been promoting him. Check that. Okay. Yeah. So he was right next to where Mark Wood fell and hurt his shoulder. But because of the long lens and the angle he was on, he couldn't get that photo. And you were saying that you were basically at the other end of the ground, but had the ability with a long lens to be able to capture Mark Wood from there. Like there's an element of luck in some of these things, isn't there? Have you spoken to him about him not being able to capture that? Or
1: was that my interpretation that he wouldn't have been able to capture it?
0: No, I saw it on the TV. I could see where his lens – because he was right next to uh, Woody. I could see there was no way he was going to be able to
1: move his – he wasn't going to be able to move it around. Yeah, you're right. I was absolutely miles away. I was at the other end. I was at the nursery end, and he kind of fell, rolled, hurt himself by going over the cushions at the pavilion. So I was kind of amazed when I cropped in on the picture that it was still – the quality was good enough to – you know, you could see the kind of eyes rolling back in his head. I think it's got to be—it's a guess, but it's got to be kind of 150 yards, maybe. You'll probably know the dimensions of Lords, or you should do. Yeah, 150 yards. Let's just go go with that. That's that's a really that's a really good measurement. The quality of the cameras is ridiculous at the moment. I'm just always in awe of how much you can crop in on something like that, which was an important moment. There was an element of luck in it, I suppose. But when I saw him racing towards the boundary, and when you think the fielders going to arrive at the boundary at the same time as the ball,
0: you think this is probably worth taking a couple of frames Mm. of this. Would you have taken a photo of that before the digital age or is that something before the digital age It wasn't worth it? You
1: were kind of limited. I'm thinking back, so when I was working in the 90s and working for the Daily Telegraph mainly here in England, you try and limit yourself to I think something like four films, so four times 36 exposures. So you've got 144 frames to play within a whole day. So you had a whole thought process of thinking, well, this is kind of a moment, but is it worth pressing the shutter for? Because, you know, it's kind of going to cost 40, 50p, and then I've only got 143 frames left for the day. So it's definitely wouldn't have kept my finger down. The camera's now, my camera now, I think is 12 frames a second. So you think, Woody? arriving at the boundary, going to topple over, you you just think, well, I'll take that and see if it's worth sending or it makes a picture. And how many photos do you take on an average day? That is the most predictable question, sorry to say, that anyone asks.
0: No, there's a reason I'm going to ask you specifically about that, but I did want to know what the number was. So if you're up from 140. Is it like asking De Niro who his favourite director is? Is it? No, it is not. No, like it's that. not. No. Just
1: Scorsese. (laughs) Probably at the moment, I've got the second camera at a test match, usually bolted up high somewhere. So that's hopefully taking a photograph every time I take a photograph on the long lens downstairs. So I'm probably taking rough figures, 2,000 a day on the D6 down with me. So hopefully 2,000 upstairs. That will never get looked at ever. I mean, I don't even look through them. I just think, oh, what was that catch by Bearstow? What does that look like? And find that moment and go, yeah, that wasn't any good. What was that wicket like? Yeah, that was okay, so I'll send that one. But 1980 pictures from the remote camera don't even get looked at. So maybe in 100 years' time, someone might trawl
0: through them and go, oh, he's missed this one. This was quite good. Well, that's what I was thinking, because now when you take 4,000 photos a day, there must be really good photos. So did you go back through everything for this book, or did you just go back through your old favorites? Because I know that you're quite full on with your favorite photos. You get quite excited when you've nailed one. I think that's a healthy thing.
1: I think when I get to the stage when I'm like, yeah, whatever type thing. But yeah, I still get a kick out of taking what I think is a really nice photo, I didn't trawl through all the remotes I've ever taken to come up with this book. And what was quite fortuitous, I'd say, was that there's a big competition every year, which I enter, where you've got to produce your 10 best pictures of the year. So normally in that file, I've got kind of 20 pictures that are in the running. So because that's like the last 18 years, say, I've got 360 Mm. of my favorite photos there. So it was a great head start putting together a book. To think well I'll put in my best kind of 10 12 from each year and we're kind of two-thirds of the way there so fill in a few gaps
0: one thing that I've always appreciated about your work is your ability to sort of find photos in other parts of cricket it's not just about the ground for you you're very diligent and hardworking when it comes to finding new angles finding new things to cover. But my favourite story is perhaps when you probably broke a law and you followed Bob Hawke, the Australian Prime Minister, into the Australian change room. I'm not sure
1: I broke a law. I broke a rule, I think. I was quite (laughs) inexperienced and probably, probably nervous. I didn't really know exactly what I was doing at the time. But you're talking about 1989 when he was a serving Prime Minister and I was working for the Murdoch Papers in Australia. So... I don't know, probably eight or ten titles across Australia, if not more. And this particular day, the Ashes in 89, I thought, oh, look, Bob Hawke's over there in the tavern. stand." I just kept an eye out thinking if he goes downstairs or something, I'll rush down from my perch and and get a picture of him. And funnily enough, I did see him leave the sponsor box. I rushed down and he had a whole entourage that were just marching up to the back of the pavilion. And I don't remember taking a picture of him on that march. And when they got to the door, they all just walked straight in the pavilion. And I had 0.5 of a second to decide what I was going to do. So I just marched in with them up a flight of stairs, straight into the dressing room. And next thing he's talking to, I'm pretty sure it was, maybe it was Mark Taylor in the Bean thing. Bing and, and Alan
0: Border, wasn't well, it?
1: then he went out onto the balcony. Oh, okay, yeah. During play, I still can't get my head around it. And I'm thinking, that's a really good picture out there. And I just kind of went out. I had to walk between them and, like, crouch on the balcony next to them and take this picture of, as you say, Prime Minister Bob Hawke, Alan Border, Dean Jones, I think Jeff Lawson might be in the background. And it is a favourite picture of mine because I thought, how did I get that? I mean, the front page of the Times the next day was a picture of Bob Hawke on the dressing room balcony from 200 yards away. I really should have thought on the day, oh, maybe I could sell this to another paper, but I didn't. <laughs> but anyway, favourite picture, I sent it back to Australia thinking, you know, here come the hero grams, here come the letters saying, oh, you're fantastic, you've done a great job. I think it went on page 26 of the Sunday Telegraph as a kind of stamp-sized image. And I always thought, surely someone's mucked up there. <laughs> a picture of Bob Hall. During a test match, Alan Border's got his pads on, ready to bat. But what I really enjoyed was only the last trip I did to Australia, so three years ago, whenever it was, I got to speak to both Alan Border and Dean Jones about this image. I showed them on my phone. I said, oh, remember this. And they both told me their versions of what was going on that day. You know, Alan Border, he was still really upset with Bob Hawke for the day that he'd said, oh, if only the cricket team had 11 pack caches, you know, we might have won that test match in <laughs> Melbourne. And he was still – like I think the time after that when Bob Hawke had come in the dressing room, he'd been told to go forth in no uncertain terms by Alan Border, And A.B. Uh, said, yeah, he was still deciding whether to chuck him out or not. He wasn't happy with him being there. <laughs> and Dean Jones told an even better story about – he'd said – Dean Jones was complaining to him about – I might get this – what's it called? Consumption tax or something? Some tax. Maybe it wasn't – it starts with C. It sounds like a very Dean Jones thing they complain about, doesn't it? Well, basically, Dean Jones was upset because he had to pay tax on earnings that he hadn't been paid yet. So he didn't see that as fair. So he was whinging about it. And Bob Hawke apparently said to him, if you go out and score a century today, I'll get rid of the tax. And he scored 20-something. But it was really nice. I thought it was really nice to get the background from both these guys about the history behind a picture i'd taken i was probably so nervous i was just like oh try and get this sharp you know manual focus 50 mil but yeah that is in the book also what i've just said but probably in a more concise and uh, easier to follow way hopefully
0: well it's those sort of photos that i think have always sort of drawn me to your work maybe over some other great people who are high ranked in the cricket photography charts it's the icc ranking so do we care no, it's not. It's not a good algorithm. I'll do a video about it later. But, you know, like there's a great photo. I think it's when KP hits a six, maybe during the O5 Ashes and you show the six through the crowd reaction and the way their heads have turned. I think it was the MCC members. And there's also that the, the photo that I know that you're probably, if not most proud of, but very proud of, which is the photo in Bangladesh, the young boy bowling towards the camera with the sort of stage backdrop of all the people watching it. But, you know, having worked with you back in the day when you were kind of like our personal photographer, I mean, geez, haven't you done much better than working with me and Sam Collins for a while then? Weirdly,
1: in the rankings, when I worked for the two Chucks, I was in the top 10 on the ICC rankings. And now 68, dropping
0: as we speak. (laughs) Drop every minute. But I think the point with me is that it is the sort of the Dean Jones, the MCC members and the Bangladesh kid. I almost felt like... You're someone who's very good at taking photos of cricket, but you've probably got a more artistic eye that you could have gone into other fields of photography. It just happens to be that cricket is the thing that has drawn you in. That's very kind. Probably the kindest
1: thing you've ever said. I did start with weddings and hated it because I think uh, girlfriend at the time, her sister got married and I looked at her wedding album and went, I could do better than that.
0: It's funny, you and I have both been wedding photographers. Then.
1: <laughs> but I haven't had many album covers. Uh, Have you? I'm one up on you on album covers. Uh, Yeah, I do like to look (laughs) for the different picture, but I know the picture you're talking about, KP hitting the six into the members, and it's something you just decide to do on the spot, and, you know, the ball's going towards them. But it's just weird that there's probably 100 members in this photograph, and they're all kind of looking up thinking, am I about to get a ball on the top of my head type thing? And and then you think, because that is now 16 years ago, and you think, well, they were all kind of oldish then. And I wonder how many of these guys survive now. But the photo survives. And again, right, I'm going to move on to Bangladesh. Yeah, I'm pleased with that picture of the boy because my hotel wasn't the best, I've ever that in <laughs> when I was in uh, Chittagong. So I used to wake up and just grab the camera and go out for a walk and, and see what was there. And it was an absolutely fascinating place for photography. I happened to pass this I still remember an alleyway and there was this boy just throwing the ball up and catching it in an alley. And I, when I turned up with my camera, this other boy turned up and said, oh, let's have a go. And he tried to throw it higher, and which he did, and he threw it onto a roof. So this poor kid who had the ball didn't have a ball anymore. So I went and bought him this brand new bright, I think it's yellow and red ball, and just said, oh, just bowl it at me and – and he started to do that. And I said, no, no, that, you know, really bowl it quite hard at me and, you know, it doesn't matter if it hits me type thing. And all these people gathered behind and a car went, went through and then that when they kind of reconvened, they were in a perfect arc. You know, I didn't have floor managers there or anyone to help. And, uh, <laughs> and just when these kids suddenly put a bit more oomph into it, shall we say, and and I looked at the back of the camera and thought, well, oh, that's done, you know, I, I'm not going to improve on that. The ball's in it, the people are in it. and." Thanks very much. I think at the time I went and got a print made and kind of left it at a nearby shop hoping that this boy would get it. But I do love doing that kind of stuff, especially in the subcontinent and the Caribbean, to just, you know, get in a taxi or a tuk-tuk and go out looking for pictures because, as you know, in, in India or Sri Lanka, there's thousands of people playing cricket everywhere. Mumbai is fantastic. You just go down to mm. the Madan and it's everywhere. I love Trying to capture
0: nice pictures at places like that. And so, the, almost the opposite of that, in some ways, is the remotes that you talked about before. I remember you telling me once you thought the best sports photo ever was, I think it's Muhammad Ali standing over Sonny Liston, and the, the cigar smoke is all around them. And then you sort of looked at me sort of wistfully and said, but it was taken on a remote. Funny thing about that is that picture by our oh, Neil Leifer. His name
1: is the photographer who's taken that, and he's probably taken two of the four greatest sports pictures ever. So he's an absolute hero. But the thing about the canvas and that picture of Muhammad Ali from above is that there's no advertising anywhere, which, of course, whatever it is, 60 years later, the canvas would have ads for Budweiser or other alcoholic drinks are available, of course, and you can't do that anymore. So that's another thing that kind of I do think about a fair bit is that You know, you get that one chance to take a picture of this place looking like this. You know, look how Lords has changed in the past 30 years since I've been photographing there. You know, the different stands are knocked down and built again and I think it's a really important job to capture these images and just for the record, really,
0: that sounds deep. When you're looking at your own work and you do see a great remote picture, does it feel different than taking a photo with your main camera? Or do you not care because they pay you the same? (laughs) They're fewer and far between. The remote pictures that
1: really work, I mean, I'm trying to think how many are in the book. There's probably, I don't know, there's probably something like half a dozen in the book out of the 346 or something. But when they work, they can be really nice. There's a nice one of Marcus North in the slips. It's probably 09. You might correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's 09. Balls going through and he just stuck a hand out and the remote's captured the moment where, The ball just sticks in his hand. Yeah, I don't look down on remote pictures. But it's the way I think about it is once you set it up in the morning and you've got that angle, you're kind of trying to predict where the slips will be and, you know, you might just have that one spot and you think, well, this would work better if I was eight feet over there. But, you know, there's people sitting there, so it's just not doable. So it's it's more limited. But, yeah, I don't look down on the remote pictures. If they work, they work. But what I was going to say is they're a bonus. If you get like three remote mm. pictures from a day's play, that's great. But hopefully you've got 60 pictures from the 600 mil and the downstairs. And from
0: an editorial point of view, how do you know when a photo is so good that it's worth hitting up all the editors of newspapers? I remember, was it you who got the Ashton Agar pretty sigh? Was that one of yours? When he- well, after his ninety-eight. Well, he looked
1: over at his family and kind of gave a look of, oh, oh well, I was so close to a century. And I did get the front of the times with that one. But just to make a point, I've never rung around picture editors and said, look out for this photo, you know, I've sent this in and (laughs) that'd be good. Some photographers claim that they have and some photographers claim that picture desks have rung them and said, oh, thanks so much for sending that in, you've made our job really easy and we can all go to the pub now. I don't ring around the picture editors. I'm busy enough.
0: No, but I know that there are photos that you probably push a little bit harder and that you're quite excited by. You know, generally they're the ones that you will send me, or, you know, if you see me, you'll be chatting about a photo you took, or if I walk past you, you'll show. There are clearly photos that you can tell quite early on if they're another level.
1: They're just the ones I like. You know, I basically put a book together of pictures that I like and hoping that other people rate them as well. But I suppose I do do this for me. I like to please myself by getting good pictures. Or, you know, like the other day at the 100. I did enjoy the 100, by the way. But just the pictures that you could get at the 100. And George Garton from Southern Brave, as we call them, even though you think, well, you know, he might bowl someone, the bales might fly around, I don't care. Because George Garton has the most amazing action after he's bowled the ball. Flies in the air like a javelin. And I've never seen anything like it. And I'm willing to concentrate on that, maybe miss Mm. bales flying or something. I just want to get a really nice picture of George Garton. And then when I've got the picture from that angle, I want to try and get the picture from front on as if he's coming straight at me, which I had the opportunity to do at the Oval during a 100 match. So I'm in it for me. And I suppose I figure that I know what a good picture is. So if I'm pleasing myself by getting what I think is a good picture, hopefully other people rated as well.
0: One thing you taught me when I was editor of Spin was that a lot of editors basically put the ball in the shot. And you were very good at sort of taking me through photos and how they work of this is the position of the batter before the ball comes in. And this is the position of the batter after the ball. The ball doesn't need to be in the shot. There are different, there's almost like pre-action, action and a reaction to almost everything. Is that something that you still think about a lot? Maybe some photo editors can be a little bit one-dimensional. The ball needs to be in the shop. People need to see the thing that they were going to hit. I'm not trying to sound above it all, but I don't really look at newspapers
1: or even magazines, I suppose, as much as I used to, to see what's getting used or not. And I still occasionally do, but you mentioned Spin Magazine. I was hoping you were going to say the thing I taught you about editing Spin Magazine was not to put the same picture on page 28 and page 30 because that was... That was pretty good.
0: (laughs) I do remember you noticing that one.
1: And I know where we were. We were in, uh, I think we were in Jamie's Italian in Nottingham when I pointed that out.
0: (laughs) And I was waiting for a steak, if you were going to ask. I think I was probably also waiting for a steak. Yeah, they were good, weren't they? We kind of bonded over the fact that we only ate a couple of foods in those days. Did you, is your palate like increased? It
1: has, uh, you know. I'm going <laughs> to butt in and say that. You're looking very healthy and very good at
0: the moment, so well done, whatever you're doing. Keep doing it. Well, you know, I just it's because of all the photos you've taken of me over the years where I've looked house. I thought maybe I'll try and make myself look better for the next time that Phil Brown's around. Good answer. Oh, I think we bonded over a lot of things, but but yeah, our love of steak was probably up there. I suppose i put it a different way. I think of you as a non-sports sports photographer in that for you capturing the moment is certainly really important but for you the actual image is the most important thing does this tell a story does it look beautiful does it pop whereas there are probably many other great sports photographers on a similar level to you who for them it's all about capturing the moment at that particular moment whereas I always think that your eye is almost half wavering on is there something good happening on to my left to my right and you know I just want to get a great photo and I'm at the cricket it probably happens less in this country.
1: That my eye is kind of wavering, but definitely in, say, India or something. I'm thinking, you know, what's the crowd like over there? Looking through the fence, or you know, what's going on outside the ground and and all that. Yeah, I love doing that. Um, what was it? A non-sports photographer, sports photographer. I can't remember your yeah. definite. Yeah, that's on your business card, isn't it? I'm interested in more than the action. Definitely, that's going on in front of me. It's nice to capture. The moment of the day, I'm trying to think of a case years ago, was when Ben Stokes took that incredible catch at Trent Bridge, which was basically behind him, just freakishly, put a hand out and the ball went in it. And, of course, I'm thinking, oh, that might be fantastic from the remote, but is he in or is he not in type thing? Because, you you know, like I said before, you kind of set it up blind and you've got to predict what's going to happen and which way you're going to point it and everything. And when I downloaded the file to have a look, there's Ben Stokes and the absolute moment that he's taken this amazing catch. And, of course, it's chopped off at his arm. So we've got Ben Stokes' body, but the arm and the hand that's taken the catch (laughs) is missing from the picture. So that might answer whatever question you asked about three
0: minutes ago that I can't remember. But. (laughs) <laughs> no, it does. I, I haven't got uh, um, a copy of your book, but um, I think the publisher put together a YouTube video where there's quite a few of the images. I did that, that, come that years up.
1: ago, but I'm going to take credit for that. I did that. I sat right here and I did that in 2013. But yeah, it is, it's quite quite a nice thing for people to watch if if they just put into YouTube or you might link to it. I don't know how this works, but 25 years of cricket photography that was called, and I put it on. YouTube. And that probably helped me get a publisher in the end. Actually, I think I said someone show them that.
0: Yeah. But I remember watching that and it almost feels like you have captured cricket culture rather than cricket. And that's not in any way slagging off other cricket photographers who've done incredible works. Patrick Eagle's is obviously incredible. There's been a few cricket photographers with their own book. but just feels like yours is more about cricket culture and cricket life rather than just great moments on a field.
1: Yeah, well, I hope so, and I, th- I think it is because there's a lot of, lot of photographs away from the action and, you know, girls making bats in the streets of Nagpur and stuff like that. Nagpur is still my favourite, well, a favourite place, my favourite ever sign that I saw in a shirt shop. I know. I'm, where else can you walk along the, the, I'm going to call it a sidewalk in case any Americans are watching, where else can you walk along a sidewalk and see a big hole in front of you and look down and see a 40-foot drop? To oblivion. That makes going for a walk exciting, I think. But there were—I was going. There was a shirt shop there that I didn't go in, but I just photographed the sign on them. It said, "Buy two shirts, get seven free," and that's my kind of place. Uh, one last question: What do you love more, cricket or photography? That's a good question. That's an original question. I like that. I had to come up with one. Photography.
0: I think that comes through in your work.
1: I like cricket a bit, but I like cricket photography (laughs) a lot more than cricket. I wouldn't go to cricket without a camera. I've got no interest in going to watch cricket without a camera. My job is my Mm. life, and that sounds so corny. But this is my hobby. Basically, I started a hobby, and people started to pay me to do it. And I thought, how good is this? How long will this last? And it's lasted quite a while. It lasted longer than I thought. So this, by the way what's the name of your book idiot it's called the colors of cricket by me there's a back cover and a front cover front cover is probably preferable and 320 pages 340 photos extended captions some people seem to have quite liked it which is nice and it's and pitch publishing did a good job the designer did a good job I did a great job selecting the photos and available everywhere apart from greg's thanks for coming on the podcast thanks for having me
0: thanks for listening to red inca there is more information on my guests available in the show notes including their twitter profiles if they have one this is the important bit though Please review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere, really. Share it on all the social medias and just get it out there. If you can, act it out in plays on your balcony with your loved ones. This podcast is made possible by the people who support us at Patreon, so thanks to those who already do. And there is a link to Patreon in the show notes as well. Red Inca is made by me, Jared Kimber. Nick McCorriston makes everything sound better for your ears. And the theme tune is called The Prisoner by the Red Crickets. If you're enjoying Red Inca but want to know more about Fred Spoffus moustache, or the time Vizzy got stumped looking like a buffoon, or any other great stories from cricket's past, well, I have a history of cricket podcast called Double Century. This time we look at something that will please cricket fans around the world, except maybe from one country, because we're looking at the first time teams defeated England. It's a different kind of podcast series in that it's mostly narrated, but there will also be some key episodes that I'm interviewing the players involved. You can hear this by finding Double Sentry in your favourite podcast app.